Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Null Pointers. We are your hosts, Stephen, Gerald, and Mark. And today we will be talking about IDEs, which is Interplanetary Dust Experiment, or so I'm told. Stay tuned. So before we start with our main topic of the day, I was told by Mark that .NET 6 Preview 3 is out and we can now build Hello World in .NET MAUI. Yeah. Which is mind-blowing. Isn't it? I mean, you can build a MAUI app today, put it in the store, and it will tell you Hello World. Um, I think you can, to be fair, you can still do one or two more things. The first controls are released. I mean, it's still early bits. So you might still want to hold off from using it in a production app. But yeah, it's it's coming together and it's uh, fun to see. And uh, I don't know if you have seen, there is a tool that you can install from Jonathan Dick, yep. which allows you to check if your machine is ready for running .NET MAUI. And if not, it will actually tell you what pieces are missing. So that's really cool. Right, Stephen? Yeah. Especially if you just read the instructions, <laughs> install it as it's supposed to be installed, um, before complaining that it doesn't do what it should do. I mean, yeah, if you ever run into any trouble, we're always happy to help. Just send us a message. Not only you, Stephen, even you, dear listener. Stephen is our expert. I, I typically just get bills from them for all the things that they do. So, yeah. And in other news, I saw that Microsoft actually made quite the purchase. Oh, yeah. Um, I think it was the, the second biggest acquisition since buying LinkedIn, mm. which was, I believe it's called Nuance, which is a AI speech tech company. Yeah, yeah. I don't know much about them, to be honest, but it, it's quite the number. It seems. So I've, I've like you, Stephen, probably, I read a few articles, and it seems that they're one of the big players when it comes to this speech-to-text interpretation stuff. Even Siri from Apple uses it to some degree. One does not know to which extent, but uh, it seems there are some interesting plans coming together. Some speculate it might be in teams for the dictation of meetings. Some say it might be some other cloudy service that you can then integrate into your next big $1 million app idea. Is, is million app idea so is it thing? Is it a billion now? I, I've lost count. I'm old. Back in the day, a million was a lot of money. You're forgetting your Dr. Evil pinky finger pose. One million (laughs) dollars. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if if one million is still a lot, but yeah. Um, I I don't quite know what they're going to do with it, but I'm sure it'll be interesting. Yeah. And I think a lot of these things also get like well, not a lot, maybe, but some of these techniques get bought and not really actually used. Although I don't know if that's going to happen with with this, but uh, I mean, it's all interesting technology. Let's see how what they can do with it. Yeah, and talking about interesting technology, here's our famous oh. segue: oh. an IDE. I, in the intro, I said it was an interplanetary dust experiment, and while acronym-wise that might be correct, um, it isn't really in our context, obviously. So what what is this IDE? Tell me. I'm sure one of you will know. 
Well, I guess the IDE is something that everyone will know. Um, okay, while I want to explain what the letters stand for, I have a total blackout. Integrated development environment. Thank you. So at Microsoft, this is kind of famous. We have the TLAs, which is the three-letter acronyms. Um, and even <laughs> during my onboarding at Microsoft, they had this game um, Whenever they were using TLAs that they didn't explain, you would have to hold the card up or something, um, and then you would score points. And then whenever that happened, mostly <laughs> anyway, um, you had you had to be there. I just it, I, it needed the moments in my end to recognize that TLA stands for a three letter acronym, but that's yeah. just me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think that's this is the thing that you're looking at if you were a developer uh, most of the time probably pulling your hair out why stuff isn't work because this is just your Visual Studio or your Visual Studio code or maybe JetBrains Rider or uh, Eclipse if you're doing some some other um, exotic stuff. But uh, yeah, that's kind of um, what the IDE is and integrated development environment. So that kind of implies that a lot of stuff is integrated for your development work? I think it does. I think it does. But I mean, I think IDEs, they used to be the thing to have. Uh, I remember when I started out in the profession, the thing you always wanted to have as first was the proper IDE for the development work you were doing. And then it seems they fell a bit out of grace. Um, everything had to be, again, small, fast, and nimble. So the VS codes came alive and all those things. And they are now slowly evolving again to being IDEs. But uh, yeah, so Steve, what's your first IDE that you remember using back in the day? Oh, wow. Well, this this might sound very wrong, but it might be Excel. <laughs> Excel, that that one wasn't, I no. So the many, many words come to mind and big names, but Excel <laughs> yeah. might not be one when thinking about ID. <laughs> well, the VBA editor in Excel, let's put it that way. Ah. That, that might explain still, it a bit more, but yeah, it's, it's, you have to start somewhere. Like, nah, but um, I think actually one of the first that I actually used was Visual Studio back in its 2003-ish version, I would say. Mm. Yeah, long, long time. is that a thing? Wow. I think it is. Could be long, long time ago. I have, I, I'd have to dig very deep, but uh, it was an old one at least. That's for sure. But yeah, I think that was actually one of the very first Visual Studio. I think it was even called Visual Studio .NET, two thousand and three. And obviously, these days you can do a lot more than just .NET. But yeah, I think that was actually it. Wow. Yeah, I think mine too. And I don't know. I don't know what the name was. I don't think it had like the year in there. Wasn't it first like Visual Studio Nine or something? I don't know. I don't know. Um, but anyway, I, I think it was the same because back then you had WinForms, so it was very easy to you know just drag and drop things from the toolbox and then run it, and then people would already go like, "Oh, he's a magician. He can he can do computer stuff and do more than just fix our printers." So. Um, that was really cool, and so other others that I used were, um, oh my goodness, what's what's it called for Delphi? Yeah, uh, I've used that one. I think it has a name, but I can't remember. Uh, but or maybe that's just the name for the whole thing. Um, so I, I used some Eclipse, I think Visual Studio mostly. Um, 
Yeah. Uh, probably, you know, if you go way, way back and you, depends on what you want to count as an IDE, maybe some, you know, front page or Dreamweaver, something like that. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. So I remember front page. That was that was a long, long time ago when you could, in Word, click together your, or it, it looks a bit like Word, uh, your website. But yeah, I so I remember, I think the first IDE I used, it was either Eclipse or it might be NetBeans. So when I started out in my career, Ooh, yeah. um, in my apprenticeship in Switzerland, Java was the thing that you learned in the schools. So my first contact was pretty surely with a Java IDE because before that we did some C, but no, no IDE support there. It was just a, a better version of Notepad, maybe Notepad++, uh, and that was it. And the command line for your compiler because that's how software was meant to be built. At least that's what they told you sometimes. No, but yeah. So, and then uh, it took actually quite some time until I discovered the goodness of Visual Studio. Um, so yeah, I think I, the first version I used was maybe the 2010 when it went over to WPF and suddenly everything got a bit slower. At least that's what I was told by other people because I really couldn't tell the difference. But yeah, so the I think IDEs have been a long time around and yeah, there is a lot of reasons why we as developers actually really like the IDEs. I mean, for one, it's the integrated development environment. So it should bring all the goodness that you need and all the helpers in one app thing that will help you. So Stephen, what, what's your favorite features that is embedded in these IDEs? My favorite one has to be IntelliSense. <laughs> I'm a lazy boy. <laughs> Um, yeah, so IntelliSense, code completion, that kind of stuff. Do you remember? Do you remember the days when they said IntelliSense rots your brain because you don't have to anymore memorize all the API interfaces? I I never got that. I one. was perfectly fine having brain rot. <laughs> I I did not care. Let them <laughs> let my brain rot away. Um, no, I think uh, that I. That sentiment I don't indeed particularly agree with. I mean, who's going to memorize all of these APIs? It's it's better to know what they're doing than how they're exactly called, I would say. Um, but yeah, that that's definitely where my favorite feature comes in. And then, well, obviously having a compiler in there to actually <laughs> check whether or not your code is actually running, um, that actually helps as well. And yeah, I think one another one that I, I just can't do without anymore. And I, I noticed that when, for example, opening up a notepad or something like that that doesn't have it is obviously the, the syntax highlighting stuff. So if you have a certain file of a certain type, it'll highlight keywords and, and braces and all that stuff. So you have a much easier overview of what you're actually editing. And popping an old file or a file open in, in just Notepad without the plus plus, that uh, well, it just reads as a wall of text. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I I sometimes very very seldomly have to open up a file on a sometimes on a on a server or so to quickly check what the content is, and it just is so strange to see a, a wall of code without any highlighting, without any help from your keyboard shortcuts to quickly navigate through the code. Uh, I mean, even if you watch or, or look at code on GitHub, 
it, it will be highlighted and in the new versions you can actually navigate through the code so that's always uh, very helpful when looking through or skimming through code yeah for me i mean you said you said a few of my personal highlights in an ide uh, i mean they are they are investing still in this intellisense so i know that a couple of versions back they put in some ai so they will uh, look which um, functionalities you use most often uh, from a from a object or what you in a certain context might want to be using right now so they so they're even getting smarter which i think is really nice because i actually cannot remember having to yeah memorize an api so good that i could just always edit it out of the top of my head i mean up to these days i sometimes have to google the most basic things that you have to implement because intellisense will just not cut it to for example how to create an event from scratch in c sharp is sometimes something i look up perhaps just to shocking revelations revelations here yeah, I mean another another good really. I mean, since we're all mobile developers, I mean we get a lot of uh, help from the mobile tool chain. Uh, you can all our emulators, all the SDKs that you need for Android, they can be plentiful, and the mid version and the compiled version and all those in betweens and the emulators, we can all manage them very comfortably from within Visual Studio or Rider, uh, or yeah, what whatever poison we just choose for the day. And th those things, they are really helpful. Another one that comes to mind that's uh, a newer one is uh, Hot Reload, so that you can make changes in the in the code and it will automatically refresh the app. So I think having the proper tooling as a developer will really greatly impact your productivity and it gets you quicker to the goal line, if you want, if you dare say so. So yeah. Well, Mark, it's interesting that you mentioned hard reload because you already say like you can change code and then it will reload. But for now, you have XAML hard reload. Um, I mean, hard reload exists for other uh, languages, I think. But if we look specifically at XAML forms, then now you have XAML hard reload, which allows you to do changes in your XAML and push that to your physical device or your emulator. Uh, but together with the .NET 6 Preview 3 that we just talked about, there's now .NET Hot Reload, and that is kind of the evolvement of the XAML Hot Reload stuff, um, which allows you to reload C-sharp code while you're debugging, and that is really awesome. I've had a play with it actually today um, because you can use .NET 6 Preview 3, and you can do it with, I think, Blazor apps and ASP.NET Core apps. Um, and you instead of doing .NET Run, you say .NET Watch, um, and then it will continually scan for file changes. And then whenever something changes in a CS file, then it will pick that up, um, compile it in the background, and push that, I don't know, inject that into your running code. And you can just write code while debugging. So you basically don't ever have to stop your debugging session again, which will greatly improve your development cycle, especially, you know, ASP.NET Core has a pretty quick turnaround for, you know, whenever you stop and start a debugging session. But um, if you, if, if they are going to pull this off in like the .NET MAUI development cycle, um, then that's going to be a huge, huge time booster um, that you don't have to spend waiting for compilers and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And while you were testing that, I was just today sitting here editing an app while it was running and getting 
purple squigglies all throughout my code. What are you doing? This thing is running. It will not change anything. So yeah, it's it's fun to get rid of that one, I guess, at some point. Yeah, and I, th- I mean, if you if you think about what's going into that, it's no small feat. I mean, we had having being able to compile code on the fly. I mean, if you think about ASP.NET Core, you might think, okay, well, it's still on the same machine and stuff like that. But I mean, the uh, stuff that has to happen so you get that experience uh, in a fluid motion, like uh, in a in a Razor app, where it's then served over the browser, or also in the in the mobile in the mobile app. Uh, there's there's quite some engineering that has to go on below deck so that can actually happen. And, and I'm really looking forward to that C sharp code hot reloads. I have been I had the experience already when I. Uh, dabbled in F sharp using Fabulous on a mobile phone, where you can do the same thing already today, and it's just it's just so great. I mean, you can make changes on the fly, the code will adapt, and you're there hammering along, and you don't always have to have that mental break in between cycles when you are trying to edit some view centric code. So that's really great. Another thing that comes to mind. I mean, we're talking about helpers. I mean, usually IDs they come with a ton of other helpers that you can have. Uh, I know like uh, localization files, ResX files, you can do those. Uh, sometimes certain databases are supported. I know Visual Studio for Windows is really strong on those and Rider also comes with some really nice support on that. And I know friends don't let friends right click and publish, but during development, it's just so easy and so fast. And in every ID that I've been using in the past, I can have a website solution i can press right click and publish it right to azure and use it there or have a azure resource explorer skimming my uh running projects and doing some configuration or some calls against those and that's really helpful because i don't have to open up another website or another terminal app or something i'm I'm just in there doing doing my stuff and everything is happening in one place and i think that's also the the central idea behind ids there are still a few things that I do not really do in an IDE. One thing that comes to mind is using Git. I have learned Git on a command line, and uh, I feel perfectly fit to do that. I think we also did once a episode on Git, so we might put a link into the show notes. And yeah, I I just never use that feature. And one thing that that really bothers me if the IDE tries to outsmart me on the console and then makes changes behind my back to the code. I, I don't like those features in IDs sometimes, but yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm That's... no terminal gitter, but also not an IDE gitter. I guess I just run a separate tool for it, which if you think about it, it's kind of stupid. But yeah, I just, I'm wired like that, I guess. Yeah, but I mean, that's, that's not a point, right? I mean, if you use an IDE, some things come right in the box, but another part that you can do is extending an ID while you're using plugins. So I think one of the first plugins I've installed in Visual Studio was back in the day, the JetBrains ReSharper, uh, which was a really great tool for me for easily refactoring code, but sometimes also to learn LinQ because uh, ReSharper would sometimes pop up and ask me, hey, would you like to make this fancy LinkU expression out of it? And then I said, sure, because I want to look like a smart programmer. Yeah. It's totally Maybe not the best way. It looks like something. <laughs> and we talked about um, this, Mark. It's Blink. It's Link. It's Link. Okay. 
whatever. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's that's definitely I've used that one uh, a lot too back in the day. I've actually, well, maybe because I haven't had it for a long time that I'm not missing any features um, that are inside of it. I think it's kind of a cat and mouse game that um, Resharper is implementing some cool stuff and then. Visual Studio just catches up with whatever they're doing and they come up with something new. I think it has been like that for a little while at least. Um, but that is also something if you look at like different IDEs that have these different features, right? Because if you use Rider, which is also from JetBrains, uh, ReSharper is also from JetBrains. Um, Rider, I think, is it is it free? No, it's not free. Visual Studio and Rider are paid. Um, like Visual Studio Code is free. Uh, but back to what I was going to say about the JetBrain stuff. Uh, if you use Rider, um, then you have uh, all the ReSharper refactoring power stuff um, in the box. So that is cool too. Um, I've used it once or twice. It feels pretty snappy. So with Visual Studio, um, it can be kind of sluggish also because of all the plugins and that want you, you know, have a piece of all your code and analyze all the stuff. Um, but Rider feels pretty snappy, but just at least in my humble opinion, it, it looks a bit dated sometimes. Um, so, you know, that doesn't make it always that appealing to work with. Maybe it's just um, a little bit of getting used to it as well. Um, but yeah, so it also kind of depends on which IDE you're using, what, what features you get, of course. So we've already mentioned a couple and why would you go free versus a paid one? Why would you use VS Code or the full Visual Studio or Writer? Is, is that something that you've thought about? Yeah, I have had this conversation uh, a couple of times now in the past, and it was a bit, it came a bit uh, as a surprise to me the first time around because some people approached me and they said, hey, but you know, you can now develop C-sharp in VS Code and VS Code is actually free. And so you don't have to anymore shell out the money for the license. And um, yeah, why, why not just use that? And for me, I think it's a personal choice at the end of the day. You can do great stuff with Visual Studio Code. Uh, there's a, a, a great team at Microsoft providing the basic implementation for that. And you can have a ton of plugins uh, when talking about Visual Studio Code provided either by companies or by uh, supreme individuals who just dive in there and, and provide great value for VS Code. But for me, it always felt a bit clunky when I had larger projects. So I then would start to miss some of the more advanced features that I would get in an IDE. And sometimes it's, I mean, I'm sure I'm a bit biased here because I've been using IDEs or Visual Studio for many years. And so I just know where the stuff is. And I might not always be willing to find out uh, which of these 20 plugins would provide me a similar service that I'm using. But for me, it, it often comes a bit down to that. And I've also noticed that in some situations, VS Code can be a bit laggy. So especially when I have big solutions, it suddenly doesn't feel as snappy anymore as it sometimes feels around small solutions. But I, I have it always installed on my development machines. And if I do some lightweight work, like uh, editing some website stuff or doing some scripting, I usually will pop into VS Code and use that. What's your opinion on this? Well, I might be weird again, but I actually even open the same project in both Visual Studio and VS Code, depending on, I don't know, the stars, what day alignment or something, I don't know. Um, <laughs> the phase of the moon. The phase of the moon. No, I'd, 
sometimes like for example i i have this solution that has a web project it has some some function stuff some other bits um and i just like to edit some of these projects in code and some of these in in visual studio i think it's it's kind of weird but um yeah i i love you typically you s- switch around between the two quite a quite a bit but yeah just the two don't don't get me started on adding more in these <laughs> in this weird scenario <laughs> nope yeah same here actually uh, and vs code i i think i mentioned it before i'm just using it as some kind of glorified notepad mostly doing some lightweight stuff i don't know i i really can't seem to get used to it um act doing actual work with it i don't know um it it has it's it's kind of too loose it doesn't have the 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 necessary amount of structure that i need to um run all the things i don't know i don't know what it is but um anyway uh so yeah but kind of the same uh some stuff i use vs code because it's very lightweight that's that's certainly true um and you know visual studio just for all the other stuff that's that's mainly my go-to thing um vs code i think it's mainly when it's going more towards web things um it's a little bit more suited for that it seems um but yeah, and like I said, Writer, I've I've tried it a couple of times, but um, did really stick. So maybe it was a while back already. So maybe I should try it again and see if it sticks this time. But uh, I don't know. Yeah, another thing that I have often heard around this is a bit like the sustainability. Uh, so I think it's like, don't get me wrong, I I love free stuff and I really like many of the plugins that I'm using, and I've also sponsored some money for the plugins that i'm using on a daily or let's say weekly or monthly basis and i really can see some value uh, provided by those plugins but uh, i think there is an argument to be said that if you want to have great tooling you might want to provide the developers behind the tooling with some food and drink and a house and a normal life apart from it so i think there's also something a bit to that that sometimes you yeah People, they need the time, and time awfully means they will not ha- be able to spend that time on a normal day job to come up with these uh, great uh, tooling helpers that we use on a daily basis. And I sometimes feel you can you can see it in certain solutions uh, if they're free. I'm not meaning to say that a free solution is always inferior to the paid version. That's actually not what I'm trying to say. All I'm trying to say is, uh, yeah, I think it's okay to shell out some money for a tool that you use on a regular basis and that really brings you great value instead of insisting that it must be free all the time yeah fully agree can't can't argue with that um and i think most of these also well the ones that actually do require like a fee they're most of the time from what i can tell not exorbitantly big like a, something like a visor, for example, um, which lets you mirror your Android device. That's like forty bucks, I think. And yeah, I'm I'm definitely not the person telling you that that's not a lot of money because maybe it is for you, but it yeah, it's not a an enterprise level price basically. Yeah, and I think I think you can say the argument with many things. Um, it, it might seem expensive at first, like to shell out a 
I don't know, and even enterprise licenses, uh, they, they seem sometimes very expensive. But if you think about the engineering hours that you would have to invest to come up with the same product, um, it suddenly relativates a lot of these uh, monetary things. So you suddenly realize like, oh, well, it might be quite expensive to buy this ID, but building something like this on my own or patching it together with uh, other plugins that sort of do the same thing might also cost quite some time. Uh, yeah, you can then calculate it up and usually um, it always makes even sense on a monetary scale. Though some some of these pricings can seem quite steep for an individual, I'll, I'll give you that. So we've been talking about uh, Visor. It, that's, as far as I know, not a plugin that you can install into an IDE. But Gerald, have you got any favorite plugins? Uh, to be honest, I don't. Uh, you know, if you go to VS Code, I think everything is a plugin, basically. Um, so <laughs> yeah, that's then, then I would have to say, of course, GitHub Code Spaces. Um, but uh, no, other than that, if I look at uh, Visual Studio, so and if we talk about paying money for plugins and that kind of stuff, um, I've used MFractor, uh, which is specifically targeting Xamarin Forms, uh, and it was only for Visual Studio for Mac, but I know they have a Visual Studio for Windows version now too. Um, it was and probably is a pretty awesome plugin, and if you are a Microsoft MVP or maybe some other perks might have it too um, you would get a license for free and that was when i was using it uh, but when i lost my mvp status um, i didn't really continue paying for it um, so i i lost it and again i'm not really missing it that much that i want to um, pay the money for it also because i'm not writing uh, you know at that time i was, I was working on the Xamarin Forms bit and not so much with the Xamarin Forms bits. So I wasn't creating actual apps, so I don't think it was that useful at the time. Um, but that was a pretty good one, which helped with a lot of paper cut things that you would run into when doing Xamarin Forms development. Uh, I already mentioned ReSharper back, back, way back when um, I used that too, but not so much anymore. Other than that, not really. Yeah, I for me the I recently did some localization. I think we mentioned it earlier. Um, there is a nice plugin for that one um, for Visual Studio, and that is that is a lifesaver if you're doing a lot of languages. Um, even if you're doing just three, basically, it already makes life easier because it just tells you which ones, which languages, which keys you're missing. Um, lets you. I think even auto translate if you so please, um, but yeah, that's definitely a, a very cool one that I used frequently, actually. Yeah, so I've just popped up my Visual Studio Code, and as Gerald already said, um, the amount of plugins that I have installed is shocking. I guess uh, whenever I have to try something out really quickly, and it says. Oh, would you like to have this plugin installed? I just go, yes, yes, just install. So yeah, they they have piled up. I might have to uh, go through that list at some point and uh, remove one or few odd bits that I actually don't even know what they're doing. And the great thing but is it syncs. Have... It syncs to all your other devices and online yeah, that, and you have was... them everywhere. That was the thing that I had in the back of my mind. Like <laughs> when reading through code spaces, you can use your Visual Studio code. It will install all the plugins yeah. that you have and I go like, 
ooh, I don't know if I really want all yep. these plugins on the, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, I really, uh, yeah, so spring is coming upon us, so it might be time for some spring cleanup here. But yeah, um, so there are some really great plugins in here. I know if, like, uh, if you do F-sharp, Ionite is one, uh, LiveShare, which is really cool if you do remote pair programming. Uh, I've been doing that lately during this COVID pandemic a few times over LiveShare. Uh, yeah, Vim. I really like Vim, the VI toolkit, the VI key bindings. I get you get them not only with your Studio Code, you also get them for Visual Studio. You also get them in Rider. Uh, so if you know VI, it's it's really great. If you don't know VI, you will probably soon figure out how to write a random string if you ever try it out. Uh, so yes. But you actually managed to get out of Vim. I think that's the yes. the main. Yes. Uh, so, so we, yeah, you can uh, double point Q exclamation mark is your friend. Okay. Okay. You already missed a step. So you're you're escape this, this, escape yeah, oh, escape, escape. escape double point Q exclamation mark. <laughs> yes. Thank but you. I which never will, exit anything. Will... I just close my yeah. MacBook and I open it up and everything's there. So <laughs> why do I need yeah. to exit it? Why why am I not surprised? By Mister, I have one thousand tabs open, and the yes. only reason the tab gets closed is if it's the browser. Yes, and then I then I panic, and then I have to go out to the file system to see where the session files live again, and then I need to restore those manually to get my session back and have all my tabs. <laughs> <laughs> I have such a yeah. stressful life. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it sounds yeah. So, but yeah, um, I think those those are some of the things or some of the plugins that I, I use uh, in Visual Studio I mean ReSharper comes again to mind I haven't been using that in quite some time but uh, I know it's there uh, yeah Stephen do you have any experience with creating plugins with creating plugins I don't actually I, I have always wanted to create one um, for Visual Studio for Mac actually oh is it the um, rainbow one it was a rainbow one, yes. yes. Um, but I, I never got around to it, or it just it it felt so complex because I, I also think the the Visual Studio for Mac um, editor used to be a separate kind of editor, and now it's it's sharing a lot more bits with the um, with the actual Windows one. So I think that might have yeah. also changed the way that you need to interact with that. I think at least. Um, so maybe it's improved the experience, but I'm not sure. I never really looked into well, it any further. I didn't want to do much. Find out and let us know, Stephen. Find no. out and let us know. Well, um, I've, I've heard that uh, getting started with writing plugins for, especially Visual Studio, is quite a learning experience because, yeah, you have to know how it works and. The last time I checked it out, which is quite some time ago, the docs, they were not that great on it, but uh, that might have all changed by these days. And yeah, I'm I'm, re I'm looking forward to some rainbow experiences from you, Stephen. Well, you need to start looking elsewhere, probably. <laughs> okay, I will not hold my breath. Yes, that's yeah. a, that is at least a good start. And now you have a million <laughs> listeners waiting for it too, so. Oh, oh boy. No pressure. That's how, these, so, that's how this goes. So if you want indentation in rainbow colors, then yes. leave a comment somewhere in our social bits. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a good idea. Let's do that. So I think we are slowly coming to the end of this episode, and I just have to ask, you have given me some hints along the way, but what's your preferred 
IDE of choice today or when it comes to these days? Well, I would still end up with Visual Studio for Mac. Well, even though it, it has its its quirks, um, it's what I use most at, at this point. I mean, I'd, I'd happily tell you there's something else that I'm madly in love with, but never use. But yeah, that just doesn't <laughs> exist. Yeah, same here. Uh, mostly, well, the, 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 nowadays, mostly Visual Studio for Windows. Um, and then you can really see like the differences and where... Um, I think both IDEs can learn from each other. Um, so, you know, looking <laughs> forward to the day where that happens. Um, or maybe, you know, with everything becoming more and more cross-platform, we can just run Visual Studio for Windows on a Mac uh, between now and somewhere in the near future. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, it's it's going to be Visual Studio for me. It's just such a complete IDE with all the things. It, it Again, maybe it's, you know... Um, because you're used to it, but it, it just looks nice. Um, it sure does have its quirks and things, absolutely. Um, but it still does all the things that I expect it to do. Um, and it's so complete and powerful. So it's it's really cool. Um, but yeah. How about you, Mark? Do you have a surprise for us? Must must be Vim. Yeah, must be Vim. No, so, you know, I like to be a bit complicated when it comes to preferred choices and stuff like that and uh, i'm afraid the the ide choice is is a bit of a mess with me so i've been i've been using a lot the mac uh, recently and before that i i used to do a lot of wind on windows and on windows it was by far visual studio i used that for most of my development work and sometimes i would dabble with a bit of vs code but since i've moved mainly to the mac it's uh it's been a bit different. So I've been missing out on a few features that I have come to laugh with on Visual Studio Windows that are just not yet there in Visual Studio for Mac. So yeah, I've been I've been changing IDs from a daily basis. So sometimes I'll be using Visual Studio for Mac, uh, which is a great ID. Uh, sometimes I'll be using Rider by JetBrains. Uh, I get a free license as a Microsoft MVP. And I really like the experience. I think there are a few things that you might want to consider, Gerald, for getting an improved experience. One, switch to dark mode and to uh, enable font ligatures. It will just look so, so nice. Font um, ligatures, yeah. dark mode, nah, not a fan. Well, um, I, I can't help you if you don't accept <laughs> it. I mean, you can you can bring the donkey to the water, but it must drink on its own. Some, yeah, some, yeah. Something like that. Please let us know if you want to have this podcast in dark mode. <laughs> yeah. Or want to see Gerald drink like a donkey. <laughs> yeah. Or that. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you, you said Vim, and uh, I, I tried it out uh, a couple of years back to use the Vim experience, and it was just two bare metals. Uh, I I went screaming back to Visual Studio and said never again. Uh, so and it, it is I've repeated that experience a couple of times when you uh, get pushed out of your cozy .NET space and suddenly have to use some bare bones editor and you just go like oh my god I got no intelligence I got barely some code highlighting how will I ever get this coding job done so yeah that's uh, my preferred choice. A bunch of IDEs string together for whatever job I'm just doing at the moment.
So I think on, on Mark's bombshell announcement, we need to close off this podcast. We've been your hosts, Stephen Davison, Gerald Sluis, and Mark Halliburton. If you have a favorite IDE that we did not mention yet, or maybe one that we already mentioned, just support it through our Twitter account at NullPointers.io. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. Stay safe and until next week on NullPointers. Pointers.